Hey folks, big announcement. I am now doing in-person readings in New York City at Earth Angel Crystal. It's just one subway stop from Manhattan. If you're in the New York City area and want a mediumship reading or a card reading with me, you now have a place to see me in person. For more information, go to juanfranciscospirit.com slash readings. You'll find everything you need to know on my website to set up your appointment. I can't wait to meet you in person. Lisa Jesswine is a psychic medium, author, speaker, and the CEO of Intuitive You. Lisa had her first experience with the other side at age 5, and then had a near-death experience at age 16. That's when her intuitive abilities really expanded. Lisa is clairaudient, clairsentient, clairvoyant, and claircognizant, which means she can receive psychic energy and spirit through hearing, sensing, seeing, and knowing, respectively. Lisa will share her story with us here on Third Eyesight. My name is Juan Francisco, and I'm a psychic medium and tarot card reader. I've always been curious about the supernatural, the paranormal, and psychic abilities, and I'm here to share my stories and interview folks who want to share their own stories with us. Let's get to it. Lisa, it's so great to finally meet you. It's good to finally hear your voice just one-on-one. I watch your videos, love your vibe, love your energy. Glad I get to talk to you. Well, thank you. And, you know, I think I actually discovered you through Hannah McIntyre's podcast. And I think that's how we connected a couple years ago. So I I love her podcast. I loved hearing you on it. So I'm really excited to chat with you. Uh, So first and foremost, would love to know where you're based and, and what your work entails. Well, I am based, everybody just hold up your hand because it's Michigan. So (laughs) we always say, where are you from? And then we point at our hand. Um, Yeah. So here in Michigan, I'm just outside of Detroit. And uh, yeah. So, and I'm sorry, what was the second question? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. What what your work entails as a psychic medium. Oh my God. What does it entail? Just just about everything. Um, You know, I have been doing readings for well over 30 years, um, but I have been doing this full time since the start of the pandemic. So, um, you know, I read about two people a day. If that just goes energetically and you can attest to this, sometimes it gets really draining and we have to take care of ourselves. So, uh, you know, in my daily life, I, I attend to people. Um, hoping, giving them inspiration and guidance, but also holding space and grace for them. Because a lot of times we're also connecting with their loved ones on the other side, and that can be very traumatic and emotional. So um, there's a lot that is involved in uh, someone calling themselves a psychic medium. Totally, totally agree. And I'm curious, I'm going to go, I'm just going to go straight for it now. So just hitting real hard at the beginning of this podcast episode. So you mentioned that you went full time at the start of the pandemic. So what changed for you during that time that made you want to go full time? Oh, I lost my job. <laughs> Same here. I did too. That will do it. That will okay, do it. But here's the deal. And you can attest to this. So spirit all along had been saying to me, you need to do this full time. And I kept going, Oh, I have a mortgage. Oh, I have a car. Oh, and I always did other things and did readings on the side. And so I can imagine spirit up there going, yeah, she's freaking not gotten it. We're going to got to do something really big. Now I'm not blaming spirit for the pandemic, but they basically, they were basically like cue pandemic, cue me losing my job. And I was actually in this room that I'm talking in right now. And I was on my knees and I was crying and I was saying, I don't know how, I don't know how you want me to do this. I have a mortgage. And spirit goes, ah, 
It's not your job to know how. It is your job to execute the plan. And I went, oh, okay, what's the plan? And they said, we're going to help you take the next right step. Because I already had 30 years worth of clients. I just didn't think of this. Nobody grows up and goes, hey, guess what? I want to be a psychic medium. It sort of finds us, right? Yeah, totally. (laughs) You know, Believe me, it did. (laughs) They have that little box to check about what you want to be when you grow up where it says psychic medium. Can you imagine <laughs> firefighter, policeman, psychic so, medium, huh? Like, <laughs> no, you're right. That, it finds it finds us. It does. It does find us, and so I put, had to put aside my own fears and be courageous enough to say, "Spirit has repeatedly, time and again, shown me that they have my back. Why am I doubting it at this point? Just because it's terrifying." And So I I just had to put that aside. Okay, here we go. We're just going to do what I've always done for 30 years. We're just going to do more of it and we're going to get more into it. So that's how it came about. I sort of, uh, I stopped resisting. How's Mm. that? (laughs) I love that. I love that answer. And I I can relate to an extent. I also lost my job during the pandemic. That's, it's the same year I started studying the tarot cards. And then a year later, mediumship came out of, I'm going to say, quote unquote, came out of nowhere but it was probably already always there. Um, so yeah, I, I can relate to an extent to your, to your experience. And so you said you've been reading clients for over 30 years. So how did your journey as a medium start? Did it start in childhood, um, later in life? How was that for you? Well, uh, we'll start with the fact that at age five, I heard my first voice and I was in my backyard at my home and I heard Lisa and it was a very soft voice. And I remember now at five, you start hearing voices and you're thinking you should run. But I felt very comfortable and confident, calm. And I laughed and then I ran around front and I remember the sound of that voice. I would hear that same voice again when I was 16 years old and I had a near-death experience. Now, I don't care what anyone else thinks. I know where I went and I know who I was in front of. And I'm just going to call it out. I was in front of God and I was begging to stay dead. That's how beautiful it was there. There are no words in any language, as far as I'm concerned, that can accurately describe the beauty and the joy and the love and the peace that I felt on the other side. And I begged, I said, please, no more needles, no more pain. Please let me stay. Those are my words. And the word came back, no. And it was the same voice that I heard when I was five. But within that no was volumes and volumes and volumes of what I was yet to do when I was sent back. So a very, and then I, the big push back and I could see my hands floating in front of me and, and I was very distraught because I didn't want to come back yet. Here we are. (laughs) And when I came back, things, um, were clearer because also at five, not only hearing my voice, I saw my spirit guide for the first time and his name is arrow. And he just sort of appeared there. Now you would think a five-year-old would freak out. I was just like, hi. (laughs) so then after I came back at 16 everything was just ramped up and I realized that not everybody is as open and accepting to this and that there were people who thought that I was you know not it, it wasn't according to God's law and all this but I was like but I talk to God, like what I'm thinking it's okay. Um, so luckily I did come from a very accepting and loving family that allowed me to just be me 
And I started studying it in my late teens, early twenties. And, you know, yes, this is back before the internet. And so, um, it was a lot of experiencing things firsthand. And I gave my first reading when I was in my mid twenties, quite by accident, I was sitting across from somebody and I heard someone say, um, tell him, hi, this is Brenda. Tell him I'm fine. And I'm thinking to myself, I am not telling this complete stranger a damn thing. And so I, we were eating at a table and I picked my food up and I went to another table. And this man literally picked his food up and came over to the same table I was at and sat across from me again. And Brenda says, listen to me. And so I said it to the man and he said, um, that's my sister. She just passed away. And I just freaked out. And I said, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm doing. And I tried to get up and leave. And he grabbed my hand. He goes, yes, you do. Just sit here and talk to me. So that's how it literally all started. <laughs> wow. Oh, that's such a yeah. beautiful story. Oh, my goodness. That, that's yeah. beautiful. And um, may I ask you a little more about your near-death experience? Because I Absolutely. Yeah. So I've actually made it a point to start interviewing more folks to talk about the near-death experiences on the podcast. Just about that. But, of course, we're going to talk about that and way more with you. But – could you describe um, what you experienced? You 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 met God, and I totally believe you face to face with God. Like, what was what was it about where you were that was so beautiful? I know it may be hard to describe in words, but to the best of your ability, how would you describe it? I would describe it as complete acceptance. Um, so I had had five grand mal seizures, and I've had a lot of surgeries and stuff like that. So. Um, when I crossed over and I said the words, no more needles, no more pain. It's because I had gone through a lot of that almost a lifetime, even as a 16 year old. And it was a weightless feeling very much like an astronaut. Um, I could, when I was going through the light and through the tunnel, I could see things out of the, my peripheral vision fly by me very fast as if there was things flying really fast by me. And I remember trying to turn my head to look at them, but I could not turn my head because I didn't really have a head. I know that sounds strange, but, um, and then the pull to the light was this gorgeous vibrating essence. As I got closer and closer and closer, all I could say was think to myself was, Oh my goodness, this is the most beautiful feeling I've ever felt in, in my life. And then as I crossed over into the light, I was held in place, like as if you're pushing forward and someone's stopping you from moving forward. And then that's when I started to get distraught because I wanted to go fully into the light all the way. And that's when I talked to God and I pleaded, can I stay? And was told no. And so it's, it's, it's nothing and everything all combined about how you feel on that side, but there, it is so loving and so peaceful and wonderful. Like, it, it's <laughs> no wonder I'm in this business. Cause I'm like, I can definitely tell people your loved ones are in a beautiful place. Wow. Absolutely uh, beautiful. I didn't even think, you know, that's, that's, uh, that makes so much sense that I didn't even think of that, that you've been to that beautiful place. And so you can tell folks like, I know where they are and I've been mm -hmm. there. I mean, whether you say that in a reading or not, but I'm not sure, but you, but you, I you, do. you have that full confidence to say that, you know, and, and, and when when you when you came back, and first of all, I've I've heard, as I'm sure you have, I've heard many times that people who have had near death experiences felt distraught about having to come back to the physical body because it was so gorgeous, such a gorgeous feeling there. Um, when you came back into your physical body, and when you shared your experience of people around you, 
um, whether at that moment or later in life, did you, what were the, were the responses that you, that you got or um, what was it like to share that with people around you? I sort of kept it to myself for um, a couple of days, um, even though I know something very traumatic had happened to my body. Cause when I woke up, I was uh, my wrists and my ankles were tied to a gurney just to keep me from having the seizures up off. So I knew something traumatic happened to my body yet. I felt beautiful when I was over there. Um, and I first, I think I approached it either with my sister, I have a twin sister and, um, they all just accepted it. Nobody said, well, some of them, there was a few medical staff that said, Oh, it's probably the anesthesia. It was probably this. No, it wasn't. (laughs) It was not in any way, shape or form. I've had a lot of surgeries and I know what anesthesia feels like. And it wasn't that. Um, and I, what I loved about the way I was treated within my family was they allowed me to figure it out myself. Nobody came to me and told me this is what it was. I sort of researched it and figured it out and started reading about people who had similar experiences. And then I didn't feel so alone. I was like, Oh my God, this happens more frequently than we know. Um, and, and everybody's experience can be different, but there are similarities that run parallel in a lot of the accounts, the bright light, the tunnel, the weightlessness, the feeling of, you know, dread having to come back. Um, so there's a lot of that and, and trying to see things, um, and, and sometimes actually having actual people there. I don't think I was gone long enough (laughs) to have people visit me there because I think God was like, chop, chop, we got to send you back. You got a lot going on. (laughs) (laughs) And, and there was no promise. I experienced a lot of pain and surgeries after I came back too, but I was always, even when people would look at me or give me this dire news, I would look at them like, I'm going to be fine. You guys have no, you don't need to have those sad faces. I've been told I'm supposed to come back and I'm still discovering that reason. So, um, that was the beauty of it. Just such a, such a cool thing, yeah. you know, and I can just now get to it where I can talk about it without welling up with tears because I, mm-hmm. because the, the feeling used to come back every time I told the story and now I can do it with just a sense of peace and joy. So thank you for asking about it. Well, thank you. Thank you for sharing that story and, and, and being vulnerable to sh- enough to share that story. Um, and what a beautiful thing. Cause I, I think well, sometimes what I read about in this near, near death experience stories is people who come back, they're already feeling that distraught because they have to be back in their physical bodies. And then in addition to that, some of them feeling like the people around them, their loved ones don't believe them. And they're almost like feel mm. like, but it happens, it happened and, and no one's believing them. So it's so beautiful that you have the opportunity to be around family and loved ones who accepted and, and embraced it. Um, that That's a wonderful thing. And, and the yeah. last thing I want to ask about your near death experience, I, mean, I guess post after the fact, very after the fact is heaven as, I don't know if we want to call it heaven. Let's call it the other side. Um, the afterlife as a place. How do you feel about seeing it as a separate place or is it among us all the time? How can we tap into that other side? What are your thoughts on that? You know what? I think that's as personal as somebody's faith or belief system. And if someone wants to think of their grandma in a lovely room over there where she's whatever, playing poker or doing what, you know, and that's where their joy comes from. Great. If someone wants to say it's all around me at every moment and I can touch them, I believe that as well. 
So I think it's a very personal choice as to how we think of the other side or heaven or what whatever you want to call it. Now, I know that there's an influx or differences within religions as well um, I about what they believe and how they believe. Uh, to me, it's just the most beautiful, wonderful feeling slash space that I've ever been in. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more with what you said, that it it's so personal. I mean, the other day I had a reading and a loved one came through and I was reading for the, for the sitter. I was talking about the sitter's father. This was their grandmother. So mother on the other side, talking about their son in the physical world. And she showed me this image of her slapping her son upside the head but as a joke. <laughs> like, hey, <laughs> like calling, calling him a part of my language, a pain in the ass, but it was a, like teasing. And I know some people would feel like, well, that's offensive or that. How could they be? But uh, I, it, I don't know. I can't explain it. So they can be funny. Sometimes they have me crack a really weird joke or say a curse word or bring up something that's hilarious something that's from sad to hilarious all the emotions it, it encapsulates everything right and so why why can it not um cater itself to whatever the person's personal belief and experiences are i guess that's how yeah I see it. now yeah. you bring up something interesting there that you and i both believe in and i'm gonna like curve this over there which is that each and every person who is listening right now has the ability to connect with the other side Totally. Uh, you know, as a matter of fact, one of the things that I say to all my clients at the end is my fondest wish is that you never need me again. Yep, because I, go, you go do it yourself. I love to have repeat clients. Are you kidding? That's, that's our bread and butter. We know that. But at the same time, we would not be doing this. It's due diligence and it's fairness if we did not help people in order to get them to feel comfortable enough to talk to grandma on the other side or whatever it is or, or feel energy right? Sight, smell, taste, touch, sound. That's how they get a hold of us. So even being able to train or help people, you got to do three things, the three P's, play, practice, and patience. Okay. Because technically you are learning another language. Mm -hmm. So if you, and let's say grandma on the other side, both decided you're going to sit down in a language class, it would take some time. You, you got to practice. You got to be patient. You got to play a little, have a little fun with it. So speak on this because you and I both believe everyone can do this, right? Totally. Yeah. And that's why I've been, I, the other day I used for the first time the word interpreter to, as like a way to, uh, as like an analogy to what we do. Cause I really feel like I am interpreting energy and it, it's, it is a practice. I believe we could all do it. Like you said. Um, and, well, how did you come to this conclusion? Cause I feel like I used to believe when I was younger, Oh, some people are born special with those, with these quote unquote gifts. And then I think in the last few years, it's a mix of listening to other people talk about it like yourself and Hannah McIntyre. And, um, and then just based on what I've learned on my own through development, I've come mm -hmm. to, to learn that we all have this ability. How did you arrive? Like, did you always believe that or? Yeah. I actually, it's, it's very interesting because also when I was in the other side or I crossed over and remember I said there was volumes and volumes of stuff. Mm -hmm. There was something that I recall that sort of, you think of it this way and we know this, it is a muscle. The more you work it, the stronger it gets. Every person on the face of this earth is born with that muscle. Let's just call it the intuitive muscle for right now. If you don't work it, it atrophies. 
if you work it, it gets stronger and stronger and then you get more confident and comfortable. And I always tell everybody, it's like when you go into the gym for the first time and you're comparing yourself to other people and, oh, she's got a cuter outfit or I don't know how to use this piece of equipment, but it takes time for you to get that comfort level working that muscle. And then you stop worrying about what everybody else is thinking and you start going, oh my God, I'm feeling stronger. My muscle's feeling stronger. I'm, I'm sensing whoever this is. I'm, I'm picking up on that because anytime something goes into your brain like, oh, Lisa, that's stupid. You didn't hear that. You didn't feel that. That is your ego self. I always say it's like having an annoying baby brother or whatever it is. <laughs> Sorry, baby brothers of the world. But you know what I mean? And and you have to tell them, you know what? I wasn't talking to you, ego. I hear you. I acknowledge you. I'm over here chatting with grandma. So I input heard. And now I'm going to continue my conversation because you're not hurting anyone by feeling this sense of connection with the other side and utilizing that and, and working on that language. You have to work on it. I've been, I've been using this muscle since I was about five years old. So that's why. So, you know, and I think it also clicked in one time, maybe about 15, 20 years ago, there was a person locally here and let's just say she was very full of herself and she kept saying, yeah, no one can do what I do. No one can do what I do. And in my head, I was thinking, well, why not? Of course they can. And, and so it just, it, it, it dawned on me that there are people out there in my industry who honestly believe that, you know, they were touched by something magical. Now, just like with any skill set, there are some people that are better at it than others or have worked at it longer than others, but it doesn't mean that you can't do it. Right. Right. Okay. I kind of see, I've been using also the analogy of cooking. Like you could, there are chefs that are really talented that they're just, they're very unique, but we could all learn a recipe, right? We could all learn a recipe. Some of us will master it like a master chef. Some of us will get it right that it's good. And some of us like, well, it's just not our thing, you know? And maybe there's another modality and it's not cooking, you know? So, um, yeah, I totally agree. And it's interesting to me, you're bringing what, what you shared about this, this individual who said that no one can do it like her at the time. Um, what that brings up for me is, I mean, I grew up with a lot of religion and religion the way I've experienced Mm. organized religion is we tell you how to believe in what to do. You rely on us. And I feel like this world that, that I now am involved in the intuitive work and the intuitive realm, it's about self-empowerment and how ironic it is to find people in this realm that say, come to me, I'm the authority. And that you can't do it like I do it. It's very ironic, right? So it is. I've seen my share of those, especially on Instagram and on social media. It's, there's a slew of them. Um, there is. And everybody has to choose their own. If you're looking to either get a reading or you're looking to somehow um, learn or strengthen your intuitive muscles, you have to approach it as if you're trying to find whatever the best baker, the best doctor, the best whatever. You you got to look through some reviews. You have to see the person. You have to hear their voice. You have to see, do I feel comfortable in front of them? Okay, just because one person might have gotten a stellar reading from someone doesn't mean you're going right. to. It might not vibe. You might it, it might not just be the right reader or the right time or whatever it is. So it, everybody, it's so important that you really take your time um, before you're getting a reading and knowing why you're getting a reading. Totally. <laughs> totally. I, and I tell, I tell my clients on Instagram, 
you don't have to come to me for a reading. There's so many of us out there like yourself and other people out there. What you are purchasing really or what you're getting used to or is is like, do you like my communication style? If it doesn't vibe with you, that's fine. There are other mediums to go to um, because when we get to the point of I am the best you can ever see, it, it's it, – uh, I don't know. I'll just say it. It gets gets kind of cultish, <laughs> like cult of personality. It's- it yeah. does a little bit. And and I have to ask you about this because back when I first started doing readings, I didn't peg myself as anything because all I knew was I was hearing things and I was reading energy. That was it. I didn't like calling myself. Well, in this world, they want to know what you are, who you are. I don't know. I'm just a lady that reads energy and talks to dead people. But they wanted me to like label myself. So sometimes I reluctantly call myself a psychic medium because I never had to label myself before um, because, you know, they'll say, oh, well, this is the right way that if, if someone's the right kind of medium, they'll do it this way. And, and you're like, yeah, that's I don't believe in that. I believe as long as the client walks away, either inspired or happy or having a sense of peace, then then the reader has done their job. So we got to stop comparing ourselves to other people because we we have a very specific way we do things. You use cards, but you also use your intuitive, your little spidey senses, all your clairs and all that. Um, so, and everybody can, is going to do it differently. You just got to shop around a little bit, people. One hundred percent, one hundred percent. Well, I feel like this flows really nicely into my next question. Of what is why did you create Intuitive You, and what is the mission behind your business, Intuitive You? So when I first started reading, um, you know, this was the time where everybody was like readings by so-and-so and they put their name and put some sort of butterfly up there or whatever. And that just wasn't me. And I kept thinking to myself, I want to make the point very clear that they are the intuitive person. I will help you, you know, along the way, but that's why I called my business intuitive you so that it became understandable to people that they have the ability. Um, to do what I do. So that's why I created the actual business. Plus my twin is like a marketing guru. And she's like, you've got to got marketing. Like <laughs> I, I was like, oh, I just wanted to read people. I don't want to do all the business stuff. Um, but that's also a part of this industry as we know. Um, so that's why I started intuitive you um, to, to call myself something other than readings by such and such. Um, so that's how it all started. And the methods in which I read um, haven't changed much over the years because you asked about this a little bit because I do tarot cards, I do table tipping, I use oracle cards, I use rune stones. All of those things or modalities or whatever to me are for the sitter because they like to see things, experience things. So I call a reading with me um, a spirit-filled interactive experience. (laughs) <laughs> because I want you to be involved in the process. It's not just me going, yammy, 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 here's everything. Um, you know, especially when loved ones come through, unless it's of importance or they want to, I am not going to tell you their name more or less unless they tell me or how they died or their age. Why? Because you know all that. How about we get right to the message? How about we get right to what they're talking about? So that's the way I do it. Now, unless there's something important, about the name or whatever, then they'll share that with me. But if you go to a reader and you're basing your entire, um, whether you have a good time off whether that reader gets a name 
or gets a color or whatever it is, then you're going into it with the wrong intent. Boy, I got I got on my soapbox there, didn't I? <gasps> I agree. <laughs> I agree with you. When I, I I learned when I was mostly the sitter and didn't realize I could read people. This was before then. I went with my checklists and like, well, if they mention this or if they may, and um, people are welcome to do that, but there might be other things. I, there might be other things you'd even think about to put in your checklist that could be come up as validation. And maybe because you're so focused on your checklist, you won't even listen when it comes up, when those other things come up. So I totally agree. You, we can't, you have to have a really open mind. And the fact that you foster that for your own clients, I mean, I mean, I'm not surprised because I, I I can tell that you are so dedicated to your work and you're so experienced with it. So it's, um, I think that's wonderful that yet you have that approach of your clients and you empower them. It's like you're holding a mirror up for them. Like, Hey, I, I do this, but you can do this too. Just, just, Mm -hmm. just take a look, (laughs) see, (laughs) take take a look. And and, well, and as you know, a lot of times readings can turn into therapy sessions. Mm -hmm. So I always make sure that all my clients know I do not have capital letters after my name. Okay. I will relay the information to you and then you do with it what you will. Okay. So we, we also as readers have to be very careful about thinking we're giving advice to someone instead of just transporting information from the spirit realm to them. As and, and I always tell everybody, you know, just when you cross over, you don't suddenly get super smart and knowledgeable. Sometimes they just have an opinion about something. It doesn't mean that that's the right way to do it. And, you know, because someone's like, oh, my God, I sold the house. They didn't want me to. I go, that's just an opinion. I go, you did what you thought was best in that moment. OK, so understand that about the other side as well. It's not like they have some magic crystal ball that they're looking into, um, you know, so that that's just that has come up a couple times where people feel bad about something they did because it went against what they thought so-and-so wanted. And, you know, it's just, we drive ourselves crazy trying to second guess what we think someone in spirit might want. You know, you're, you're the one still stuck here on this planet in the meat suit. You've got, you gotta, (laughs) you gotta do whatever's best for you in this moment. (laughs) <laughs> and you bring up a really good point about, you know, we're not therapists, we're not psychologists. And it's interesting because I think for some reason, people who don't do this work professionally and are usually the sitters on the sitter end assume that because we're connecting with the other side and or psychically, that we must know, we must have the like an, the world encyclopedia at our fingertips and every PhD degree. And um, spirit is very powerful, but... There are also, like you said, we are in our meat sacks. We are meat sacks connecting with um, non-physical energy. So our meat sacks have a lim- – there's a limitation, if, if I may say. I, at least if I speak for myself, yes, I connect to your loved one, but I'm also in this human meat sack. And there are still limitations. I'm still using this brain and beyond to help me connect to your loved one. But I've never had – I've never taken an anatomy class, which I'm a, I should have. I'm ashamed to say my education wasn't too great in that respect. Never taken anatomy class, never got a PhD in psychology. There are still limitations to me. So you bring Mm -hmm. up a really good point. I think there are a lot of high expectations people have for mediums. Yeah. And and if we happen to meet some of those, fantastic. But if we don't, it doesn't mean that this industry is a bunch of bunk or ridiculous. It could just mean maybe the reading wasn't right for you in this moment. Maybe I'm not the right reader. Maybe maybe energetically you're not in the right space. Um, so don't just, you know, toss the baby out with the bathwater. 
try something else. Maybe you just need to go to a seminar or read a book or watch a video or, you know, something, maybe you need to go to church if that's what makes you feel closer to energy. What, whatever it is, because to me, it's all energy, right? Everything's energy. Everything we touch is energy. Mm-hmm. So this is just another way of touching energy and helping it to help you. That's the whole point. If you're sitting in front of a really good reader, they will make sure you are taken care of. And what that means is they're going to make sure that when you leave their presence, you feel better. That's the whole point. And yeah, and we are a lily pad in their journey. We are not the solution. We are a human helping them connect, but we are not the solution. We're a lily pad. Yeah, I, I love that. Um, I would like to ask you, delve into some of the modalities you use. So, uh, because you mentioned you've worked with rune stones, table tipping, and I've personally not talked to anybody on this podcast yet who practices rune stones or table tipping. So I would love to hear. Let's talk, let's talk rune stones first. What are runes? Okay. So runes are just um, little tiny stones that have glyphs on them or symbols on them. And, you know, it goes back to the Norse gods and all of this. So um, Ralph Blum, he's the one who's, de- who's I almost said deck, but um, this, whose stones that I have. It is just another form of divination, everybody. It's like having a tarot deck or an oracle deck, but in the form of stones that have little tiny um, symbols on them. And, you know, there's a companion book and you can read about them. It's kind of fun to put your hands in and make all the noises with the stones and you draw one out. And it's the same as when you use an Oracle deck where you can ask a specific question um, or you can just say, what do I need to know in my life right now? And, you, you know, they usually ask that you, you put your left hand in because it's closer to your heart and then out draw a stone. Now, just as with decks of cards, there is an upright and a reverse meaning. Um, so that came about after I had gone to a class in my early twenties where I was like, what are they using? And I got interested and I went after it. Now, as far as table tipping goes, I saw this done one time, um, again, back in my late teens, early twenties, and the reader sat with the table, um, to their, off to their right shoulder and their client was sitting on the other side of it. So they were not facing each other. And I remember as I'm watching this, I went, that doesn't look right. They need to be facing each other. And so I literally just went home and I asked spirit, am I supposed to do this? Yes. What am I supposed to use? And there is an old TV tray table from my grandma from the early seventies. And I have used that TV tray table forever. Now you can use just about any type of table. Now, the reason I don't sit at a gigantic Oak table because it's too heavy we're not trying to make it hard for spirit. We're trying to lighten their load. Okay. So what happens is spirit enters the object, makes it rock back and forth. That's yes. And then if they stop it, it's no. Now, because I also know all of their other communications, there's things like circles and they do opposite tipping and they do leaning. And so it is just like using tarot. You have to understand the meaning behind the movements. Um, and then I also use my clear audience, my clear sentient, everything, um, so that it goes along with the table and people will go, Oh my God. Okay. That person came in really fast. Boom, 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 boom. The table's really going. And then another person can come in really slow and deliberate and both parties, myself and the sitter, we have our fingertips gently laying on the table, almost like playing a piano, just laying and you don't lean on it. 
and we follow the motion of the table like a jump rope or a rocking chair. And so because energy is running underneath your fingertips, when you pick it up, it kind of feels tingly or a little heavy or achy sometimes. And that's what I mean by an interactive experience. I want people to feel that it, because it, it brings validity to energy and to spirit. So that's my little gig. And then I use Oracle cards as well. I always say I could do the whole reading without any of these, but what fun would that be? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I, I totally get that. I've I've been told, uh, someone once told me, why you don't need to use cards. You could just use, you know, yourself. And like, I could, but I I like, I mean, it's all about what we like and and it's not better or worse. It's just, or better, yeah, better or worse. It's just, we enjoy it. Right. Well, and sometimes if people put a picture or a word with the message, it can sink in a little bit better. Mm. Right. So they're they're looking at that tarot card or whatever, and you're explaining what it means. They may imprint that tarot picture more than they will what you're saying, but it'll remind them of what that's supposed to mean. So uh, all the physicality stuff, the cards and all that stuff, that's for you, the sitter. That's not for the reader. Um, at least not in all cases. Um, I, but you and I both like it. I like the pictures. I like the colors. I like all of it. <laughs> yeah. When, and I do feel like for me personally, I have, I have felt recently that I may slowly move away from the tarot cards and maybe try without them, but baby steps. I'm, I'm exploring that, but I, I do like using the cards for psychic readings. Um, yeah. and, and, um, you mentioned Oracle deck. So I, I know you have just released uh, your own Oracle deck. Can you tell us about it? I can. It's coming. It's being printed right now. It should be out in um, mid to late June. So it goes like this, everybody. I'm waking up normal day, right? And I swing my feet to the side of the bed and I hear spirit. Now, when I say spirit, it's a connection of uh, my main spirit guide arrow and then a higher power. And I hear them say, you're going to create an Oracle deck and it's going to be based completely off of abbreviations, initialisms, and acronyms. And I sat there a minute and I literally said WTF (laughs) and spirit said, exactly. And I said, huh? Oh, and they said, (laughs) what? And spirit said, we are going to give you everything that you need to say. And you're going to employ a local artist and there will be all original artwork get up and go downstairs. And at that moment, I went downstairs and I wrote an entire 33 card Oracle deck, um, including what some of them were. So for example, if you guys are a little confused, if you said OMG today or LOL, or you called someone a goat or RSVP to anything, that's what I'm talking about people. And, And all of the symbols came to me as well, what they mean, Um, And there is a a regular meaning and then there is um, an alternate meaning. Now, the book is very small, so I had to like condense what I was trying to say. But as with any Oracle cards, okay, um, you can use them as like a message of the day if you want. You can ask a specific question and use it. And then I always suggest that you read both the original meaning and the alternate. And then you got to be honest with yourself, which one of those is more what is coming to you. Um, and so then off I went, and this has been a two-year baby that is being birthed in June, a two-year baby, because I didn't know not one stinking thing about how to get an idea out of your head and turn it into actual, here you go. 
Yeah. No, major <laughs> yeah. kudos. I mean, I, I it's you. not easy to publish your own deck. I, there are many decks out there, but I know it's not easy. I've talked to other people who have tried and who have uh, haven't done it yet, have accomplished it. Um so and it I'm, I you just gave me a sneak peek. They look really lovely and I love the illustrations a lot. So with with this deck, um is it a matter of shuffling the deck for your deck, shuffling it and then picking out a card at random? Is it if you if you're feeling OMG, do you pick the OMG card? How how do you how should a person use no, it? No, it's always because there's a difference, everybody, between tarot and oracle decks. Okay. Tarot decks have four suits, all right, and there's more specific meanings to those. Oracle decks, you can have an oracle deck made all of animals or flowers or fairies or angels. Spirit just chose this as what I was supposed to write about. Um, so you are supposed to, with mine, you can use it. Let you can put them all out on the ground. I always suggest everybody when you get a new deck and they always say this, touch each card, get your energy on each card. I said, I don't care if you spread them out on the floor and make a snow angel out of them, just get your vibe all over them. And then you can have fun with it. You might get up in it, you know, every morning and go, um, what is my message today? What do I, what do I need to know about? And then, oh, look at that. So I picked one. In case you can't see this. And this particular card is OQP. Now you might be like, what the hell is OQP? This comes from me listening to Les Brown, who is a world-renowned motivational speaker. And OQP is only quality people. And this is about cleaning house. If you have people around you that are not for your highest or best good, and you know who they are, people, you better start sweeping. Okay. So this is this, that's part of what this meaning is. So right there in that moment, when I was talking to you, I asked spirit, let me pull a card for everybody out there. And that was the card I pulled was OQP. So everybody pay attention to who you're letting in your world there. I could always use an OQP. So. <laughs> <laughs> Only well, quality people, everybody. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, congrats on the new Oracle deck. Can't wait to see it published and released. Um, so it was so exciting to get a sneak peek of that. And, and I could, we could, I could share more information on that in the show notes for the episode. Um, as we wind down our episode now, I would love to hear from you. What advice do you have for someone who is just now starting to discover their psychic abilities? What would you, what would you tell someone who's saying, I think I may be psychic. Um, I mean, we did discuss that we believe everyone's psychic, but let's talk about someone rediscovering their abilities. Like, I think I may be psychic. I think it may be a medium. Where do I, where do I start? What do I do? Okay. First thing I would tell you is don't get too hung up on, whether you have psychic abilities or mediumship abilities, just work with the energy in whatever way feels good to you. As we do that, that means that you are going to have to be your best advocate. So if you're someone that learns best by um, listening to podcasts, then great. If you learn best by reading, if you learn best by going to classes, if you learn best by video series, you have to know how you learn the best, okay? So that's starters. Then the second thing is don't compare yourself to anyone. Stop thinking you should be farther. Oh, I should be farther along. And oh, that person does it better than me. Shut it down. You are unique. You are beautiful. You are powerful. And if you are feeling a deep calling and pull to do this, and maybe it doesn't start out that way. Maybe you're just interested. You're just kind of like, that's kind of cool. Great. That's interest. Start out that way. You don't have to be, you know, 10 years down the line doing readings for people. 
Okay. Right now, the biggest thing is that you connect with the energy from the other side and figure out what to do with it. Some people become healers. Some people design jewelry after they've had these experiences. So you still don't know what you don't know. (laughs) And so be patient with it. Practice and play. Look at that. All that in one little answer. (laughs) A lot of hard nods for yes on my end over here that people cannot (laughs) see. Um, Yeah, I, I, I absolutely agree. And the way I've been as of now, how I see psychic energy and ability is we all have the ability i think when it becomes a gift is when we find our 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 niche our the thing that we like like we we all have the ability to read psychically read other people read other beings psychically the gift is well do you prefer mediumship do you prefer runes you prefer cards you prefer aura readings i think that's the the unique gift each person can adopt or have. And if you guys don't think you have it, how many of you have walked into a party and you didn't know someone, but you're like, I don't like that person. I don't want to be around. And you don't even know them, but you're already reading the energy off of the person. We've all had deja vu moments. We've all thought of someone in the phone rang. So it's there. It's in you. Now you just get to have fun exploring how you bring that out of you and what's the purpose for it in your life. You don't need to have a near death experience to be a reader. Okay. Just knock on wood. <laughs> yeah, you don't, you don't. I guarantee that darling. <laughs> yeah. Well, I agree with you 1000% of everything you just said. So how can our listeners find out more about you and, and your work? Well, you can go to intuitiveview.net. Oh, my sister would be so proud. I'm marketing right now. So <laughs> intuitive you is spelled out intuitive and then the word whyareyou.net. Um, and you can see some testimonials about me. You can schedule a reading with me. I do um, Zoom and FaceTime and phone. In person's my favorite, but not everybody lives in the mitten. So I understand that. And yes, the table still works. Even <laughs> if you're some, I mean, I've had clients in England and Spain and Germany and, you know, all over the United States. So Yes, it works because it's energy. Um, just make sure that if you decide you want to have a reading with me, um, that you come with a purpose in mind. Even if it's just, I, I, I want to ask questions. I have curiosity about it um, because I won't, what I won't tolerate is someone coming just to test me because spirit will out you in a hot minute. And they have in the past um, because that's not the right reason. So go play around with someone else that way. I don't have time for that. Um, but I would love to see you, whether it's via Zoom or in person. So that's how you get a hold of me. That's how you schedule reading. And there's a contact page. So even if you have a question like, oh, I heard you on the podcast and you said this, what did that mean? So go ahead and ask me a question. That's cool. We can make that happen. All right. How did I join my marketing one? Tell me. Is Sounds okay? good to me. Listen, I work in public relations for my nine to five. That sounded good to me. <laughs> And listen, it's funny because I work in public relations, but I'm not good at PRing myself. Ironic, but I guess that's also the Gemini in me and a lot of self-worth stuff to, to work through. But that's for another day, another conversation. <laughs> Gemini. Now, I loved you. I loved you. I'm a cancer. Okay. So, yes, yes, yes. Okay, cool. Little mothers of the Zodiac. And I love my Gemini friends. So you funny, Gemini my, my, get a bad rap. 
we do. It's funny. My my mother is a cancer. It's so funny to say mothers of the zodiac, but um, we do get a bad rap. Well, I I like to say we are, <laughs> we can be the shit and full of shit at the same time. <laughs> Bravo! Good description. <laughs> Pretty on point, right? <laughs> well, Lisa, it was such a joy to talk with you. I'm so glad we finally got to meet through a podcast episode. Absolutely, I love, love, love talking to you, and I highly encourage. Since he won't do it, I will encourage you all to please schedule appointments with Juan. Okay, he is fantastic. Give it a try. All right, so <laughs> I'm going to PR for him. So go ahead and schedule appointments with him right now. I'll pay you your your bill at the end of this episode. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Lisa. If you have a question or topic you want me to cover on Third Eyesight, head to my website, juanfranciscospirit.com slash contact and send a message my way. If you really enjoyed this episode, leave a review wherever you listen. I'd really appreciate it.